This podcast is part of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. To learn more, visit listenfrederick.com. Welcome to season two of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where we talk about all things sci-fi. Our crew, Adina, Brian, Chris, and Steve, are all back for more fun as we share our opinions, thoughts, and ideas on our favorite films, TV shows, and books. We'll also have some fascinating guest appearances this season, so make sure your ship has plenty of dilithium crystals because we're breaking free from this solar system at light speed while having the most fun of any podcast this side of the Milky Way talking about science fiction. All hands brace for impact. It's time for the big sci-fi podcast. I thought it best to use an English accent to open this podcast in honor of Sir Alexander Dane, the fictional character in the fictional film, or excuse me, the factual film we're going to be discussed today, discussing today. So here you go. Never Surrender, a review of Galaxy Quest and its effect on fandom. Will Wheaton said it best in his interview in the film about the movie Galaxy Quest, Never Surrender. He said, being a nerd isn't about the thing you love. It's about the way you love it. And so that is the reason why Galaxy Quest is, as the great playwright and screenwriter David Mamet called Galaxy Quest, one of the four greatest films of all time. This is high praise from a man who penned Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. So today we are going to discuss the film Galaxy Quest, which again, as Mr. Wheaton also called the greatest Star Trek film of all time. We will also be going to, be going to discuss the film Never Surrender, mainly because of how it shows that even a factual film about a fictional TV series can affect the fans of sci-fi. But also the what if, the what if an alien race did receive our TV signals and thought they were real. But before we begin, let's introduce the members of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast in alphabetical order, which is, of course, quite British. Adina? I am Adina Mignona, science fiction author and engineer. <laughs> and I'm Brian Donahue. A uh, pastor and church planner, and that was the best thing ever, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, Christian Fox. I'm a mediator during the day, and I podcast about Star Trek and sci-fi at night. Uh, I, I, I guess I did that because um, I've been listening to all of our podcasts, and I listen to my own voice, and I am just one nasal octave above Jerry Lois talking like this. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. Whereas Could you I do listen- that for a whole episode? Huh? Oh, you want me? No, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I listen to you three, and you guys sound great. And I always sound like my nose is pinched. Oh, geez. So, so, um, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you guys, you know, you, you all come off just sounding great. And I just want to commend you on that. Thing. Thank you, Steve. Well, uh, bef- <clears throat> let's, uh, before we begin the discussion, let's uh, say what we've been doing as of this last podcast, please. And again, if wow. you want to go in alphabetical order, let's do that, okay? Adina. Well, I guess the two things is I'm working on the next book in the Robot Galaxy series, 
which is called Silly Insane Humans. So I'm, I'm spending a lot of I time. <laughs> Thanks. I'm spending a lot of time working on writing it in the very early mornings and just thinking about it all the rest of the day when I can't write. Mm-hmm. But I also started watching uh, Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix, oh, which no. came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, I, I you know saw people on Facebook mentioning you know this, and then someone at work also is like, "Are you watching that?" Knowing how much I like robots and things, I'm like, I, "I've barely heard of it, but no." So I started watching it the other day, and oh my gosh, it's it's weird and wonderful. It's it's for mature audiences, so it's mm-hmm. not not family friendly, not for kids. Um, it's a bunch of you know shorts, oh. like anywhere from 10, 15 to 30 minute episodes mm-hmm. that are just sci-fi, uh, a lot, not exclusively robotic in nature, but most of them do have robots or AI. Uh, I'm only like halfway through volume one. It's amazing. I love wow. it. I, I can't wait till up. we, we all can like talk <laughs> about it. Um, even though it's for very mature audiences. <laughs> <laughs> Is this is this like Westworld type of mature audience? Well, and I yes. haven't watched. I only saw the original movie in the seventies, so oh. I've never seen the the HBO series. But is the it, HBO is that, series is also very mature audience. Yeah, that's what absolutely, I absolutely one hundred percent. And so yes, this yeah. is, well, the funny thing is, I was watching the first episode of it, and it's it's animated and it's robots. So if oh. you're looking at it, you're not hearing it. It doesn't look like it, you can't watch it. So my my nearly twelve year old sees me, you know, watching it. I've got headphones on. So I'm, I'm on the treadmill and in front of the TV uh, with headphones on. And he's like, well, can I listen to it? I'm like, no, they're cursing. You, you can't. But he's like, mom, I've, you know, I've, I've heard this all before. And I'm like, you know, so I relented. I'm like, okay, fine, fine. So he watches the rest of that episode with me. And, it, and again, for where he's at in, it was okay. But then the second co- episode comes on and um, there's nudity. <laughs> No. Other thing. So I kicked him out. Like, no, no, we're, we're done. You, you got to leave. This is, this is, uh, and, and it's animated. You said it's animated. So, oh, I think you're muted. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm having technical difficulties. I've got microphone issues. Hey. Microphone. Now. There we go. Oh, that sounds better. Do I? Yeah. So I, I now sound completely different in our episode. Sorry, everybody. That's okay. <laughs> and now she's doing a British accent. It'll work out. I love how you just <laughs> threw your voice there. Um, it's just, well, it's, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't, I'm all, I'm everywhere. Anyway, love death and robots. <laughs> okay. Well, people got to watch it so we can talk about it more and okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, I, I have spent, um, part of my week reading crazy foolish robots. Um, Woo-hoo! and I am over halfway done now. I read it all in one sitting because I had to have my son at the hospital to get tested to see if he's lactose intolerant. It was a four-hour stinking test of breathing into this thing every half hour and drinking a horrible big old glass of lactate inside in water. And uh, But while my kids were on my phone watching Netflix in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which... Oh, my goodness. Is, oh, yeah, that's on. They are yeah. such... They are such huge fans of all of now. I think they've watched a little bit of all of what's available on Netflix and watching the original, which I hadn't seen in years and years. That is about 20 years old. My wife reminded me now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's it's incredible. It's still going that they're still making more. I cannot, but my kids love it. 
And uh, so I sat there on a very uncomfortable Terradina, occasionally paced because it was so uncomfortable, and read, tried to power read through the book. So enjoying Yay. it, it really have me intrigued with what's going mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. with these robots and um, all that stuff. It took a turn. It's taken a turn I didn't really expect. So it's mm -hmm. quite pleasant. That's quite good. pleasant. I wasn't expecting <laughs> where the the mystery of these robots. So excellent. Um, good oh. job. Uh, I've been pressure washing my deck, getting it ready to stain. So that's fun. Uh, and Jen, I guess, I guess overall, guys, I just can't complain. Having enjoying life and especially enjoying being with you guys today Aww. thank you thank you so sweet chris speak yeah, to us so i've been doing a lot of the usual so i did some podcasting did an episode that should be coming out i guess when you're hearing this it'll already be out but i tried to talk about discovery and what i thought like what i think of the Ooh. main problem being around the character situation and the lack of a consistent captain and all of that. So I did that. I was very happy with how the episode turned out. And I've been trying to watch other stuff, but I've just been hooked with or hooked to Stranger Things. It's like mm -hmm. season four is so good. The show is back, I feel like, because season two and three were kind of, they were okay, but they weren't great. But season four mm -hmm. is back. It's been amazing. And then Strange New Worlds is, continues to be amazing too. Mm -hmm. Be still yeah. my heart. Yeah. Strange yeah. Worlds. I agree yeah. with you on Stranger so Things, though. My my wife, I was a huge fan of season one of Stranger Things. Yeah. And I told my wife, I said, you got to watch this with me. And she's like, I don't do horror. I'm like, neither do I, but I like it because it's it was more about what you didn't see than what you saw. And then season mm -hmm. two, they showed a little more. Um, and I th but I still loved it. And then season three, I was just like. Uh, yeah, it was and then, like so. Oh. Someone the other day said there's Russians in Stranger Things season four. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe I'll watch so it. That's, again. that's what got you was the oh, yeah, the Russians. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because yeah. the time frame the show, there's you know, the you know, it's in the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. So at first I laughed, I was like, are you kidding me? But now they're saying there's yeah, they're they're like a major part of the show so yeah i remember yeah. being a kid in the 80s and that was and we were actually afraid you know of something mm -hmm. going wrong you know it was before um the cold war ended mm -hmm. i remember you know again we talk about uh kids having fears in school and everything and and that was what we were afraid of back then you know there's always uh, something agreed uh adina and uh, being the fact that i was uh, a little small tyke and watching my parents terrified because they're not knowing if the Cuban Missile Crisis was going mm -hmm. to cause World War yeah. Three. So, yeah, it it's it's a real it was a real fear. Mm -hmm. It really was. I haven't watched yeah. you know beyond season one of Stranger Things. I, I mean, I liked season one, but I don't know for something it was not compelling enough for me to mm. really like be all into it after that. I, yeah, I'm, I, me, like, I'm in your. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was going to say for me it hit the spot, and I would love to analyze the show because like they do this thing where all of the mysteries are resolved in a logical way and it's done cleverly but i don't feel like it's like it's a stretch and i just don't mm -hmm. know how the how the duffer brothers were able to to manage that because i i get the impression that writing is i don't write or mm -hmm. do screenplays or anything but like having characters solve a problem in a logical way that makes sense but it's not like that's so obvious is such an interesting balance but they do that so well i think that's 
and they're doing it again in season four. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, I'm not a big horror guy, but but season one hooked me. Mm-hmm. And then season two was like, all right, it's back. And then I was kind of like, all right. Season three was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm in the, the Adina Park. Uh, I, I watch, we watched the first season and then just haven't watched anything since. I don't, it, like I said, it was, it was interesting, but it just didn't say go back to it. Not like, like Ozark, which we like, we had to binge watch it because we just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't help but not look away. And so, you know, and that's, that's fine because every, every series on Netflix is going to either so make much. you watch it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my wife has watched Emily in Paris twice. I've watched it with her because she absolutely loves it. And it's a nice little, you know, fun drama or comedy, I guess. In case. So, yeah, if you get hooked in it, then they've done their job, I guess. Yeah. And one thing, one last thing, because you mentioned the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. And I was like wondering, what is the more stressful situation living in a world where there's the upside down and monsters that can come into your hometown or trying to launder money for the Mexican drug cartel where you could die any moment because the reality is yes. If you were to get mixed up with the Mexican drug cartel, uh, I would be, uh, I would be more concerned about your life than thinking that monsters uh, are going to come and get you. Well, right. I'd, I'd like okay. to think that in my life, both of those are equally as unlikely. <laughs> right. Yes. You'd hope so. Although I eh, change things is like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's done so well. And I'm like, I know it's fake, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a little bit of, could that happen? Well, I can, I can tell you from personal worrisome. experience. I can tell you from personal experience Yeah. when the company I'd worked for prior ABI, we were downtown and we were supplying precious metals to jewelry manufacturers we had people, we had this one guy come in and say, Getty, Getty, my cousin, he, uh, he, he had these boxes come to my business from FedEx and said, don't open them up. But one of them opened up and it had money in it. You know what's going on? And lo and behold, his relatives, the Andonian brothers, up, were sentenced to hundreds of years in prison oh, for money laundering for the drug cartels. And... I always jokingly used to tell people that uh, at some point in a future episode of Star Trek, they're going to go walk by a prison. They go, you see those two guys in there? That's the Andonian brothers. They're going to be out of prison in two weeks because they've been in jail for 200 years. Yeah, I'm going to um, be honest. Yeah. Money laundering is not a topic I thought we would ever wind up discussing. Mm-hmm. On our yeah. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, hey, there's some court, Hashtag court mo- money laundering. <laughs> right. I don't think we should even say hashtag. No. I'm promoting this, by the way. Nope, nope, nope. And the FBI called my boss and the owner of the business, and he said to him, he went, you know, interviewed him about what our business was, everything. And my my boss said, "Am I under investigation by the FBI?" And the FBI guy said, "No, not yet." Yeah. Oh, that's a worrisome so, phrase. So we we did everything legally and correct right, and never right. had a problem but it just shows that it does happen i've seen it <laughs> and it's it's not pretty oh yes it's not pretty yes um just for just me live right folks and yeah they can yeah. probably be I okay was, and just to be clear i was more <laughs> concerned about like are there demons that could come out of nowhere because it's so impossible in the show but it happens i'm mm-hmm. not as worried about the money laundering situation mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well don't go well uh as for me uh, this past week, I started a project because of Adina and because of my involvement at Children's Hospital in the Literally Healing book program, where we give out books to kids who are in the hospital and seeing all these children's books 
mainly finally get off my butt and I'm sat down with my daughter, Jenny, and I am now going to start pending the adventures of Ubu the Elf. Oh, I love story, it. Hey. A, yes. A story I started with my daughter when she was three years old, and I would just create these stories on a nightly basis out of thin air. But she would always participate and it went on for years and she's oh. always bugged me saying dad you should do it so that's awesome with her help because she's got a little bit better memory about than i do uh, though she's going to help me out we're gonna you know each hmm. chapter will be one of the adventures that i used to tell her about and that is so cool. that's yeah, very so cool you guys yeah. have inspired me and um we'll see how it goes we'll see how all it right. goes all right all right now that we've all confessed our sins um <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to the bless you, my children. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what the response is. So, Just the um, response. So tonight's discussion, as mentioned before in the British accent, is that we're going to be talking about not only Galaxy Quest the movie, but also the documentary that came out many years later, Never Surrender. And first off, I hope that you've all watched the both films, and I hope our listeners have at least seen galaxy quest would be crime if they didn't well they should and pause go watch it and then come please, back <laughs> come on then you'll, don't then forget you'll be to unpause. Up yes don't yes Thank come you. back after <laughs> yes please come back and so um let's start off by just even going off the basis having watched both movies what is your feeling about them positive negative and we'll go into because i i wrote about 16 little topic questions which i sent to the group we can touch on those or we can come up with whatever we want. But let's let's talk about Galaxy Quest first, the film. What did you think of it? Can I ask a pre-question first? Please do. So going back to your, you know, the introduction, the wonderful introduction yes. you did, uh -huh. uh, where you said that screenwriter David Mamet called Galaxy Quest one of the four greatest films of all time. That is correct. What are the other three? I'd have to go back and look <laughs> at the movie because he did list the other three films um one of them was were, the godfather right might have been but i, I don't think recall. it would have to be yeah. i imagine i think you're right adina yeah now i'm trying to remember what the other two were yeah. just to yeah. just to kind of lay the, the stage for you know the the company that people think this movie keeps and i feel like given the quantity of awesome movies that have existed over the last hundred years that's like that's a very bold statement to say this is one of like the four greatest films of all time well i, I will say this each one of us if Pose the question. It doesn't have to be science fiction. Mm -hmm. Pose the question. What are your five favorite movies? These are movies that you could watch every day of every week, never tire, mm -hmm. and it would always bring a smile to your face or make you happy. And I think that's the whole point of what he was getting at, is that he has these four films that he considers the best. Huh. And, um, you know, David Mamet, he's... No slouch. Well, if you've ever seen Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, you know just how great he is. Sure. Well, the best, I, I would say that there's a difference between the best versus a person's favorites mm -hmm. and, and versus what you could like watch over and over. Like, I like The Godfather. Mm -hmm. I'm not watching it once a week or once a no. year, probably even, you know, I mean, it's, it, but I acknowledge it's a really awesome film mm -hmm. and a lot mm -hmm. of films that I think are really awesome. I'm not watching them. You know, the, the ones that I can watch over and over are like the candy. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. and again, I think maybe in his case, David Mamet's case, is that these are the four films that he could watch mm -hmm. every week, every day, and be happy with them because they're just to him mm -hmm. the best films ever made. Mm -hmm. So sure. again, 
So in that sense, you know, that's where I think he's coming from. Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. But I still think that's a little different than saying that the greatest of all time. I mean, again, Galaxy Quest, it's, I enjoyed it. After watching this film again just this past week, Mm -hmm. it's in my top 10 for sure. And it's, and here's the reason why is because because i like i like that term adina candy you know it -hmm. just tastes good you're excited when you get Mm -hmm. to have some you know um but so it fits in that category for me but the film is like really well done too now is it is it an all-time classic am i gonna put galaxy quest before ben-hur spartacus um, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> you right. know, yeah. um, and am I and and maybe a few other films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably not, but I, maybe in my top twenty at least, I would put Galaxy Quest because it is it is so. Watching it again, I haven't seen it for many years, mm-hmm. but watching it again, it still holds up. Mm-hmm. Like the effects still hold up. Um. The feeling I remember having when I watched it originally, I've, I probably watched it five or six times, mm-hmm. but except for the last 15 years or whatever. And I mean, it just, it's got everything in it, a good movie ought to have in it. Mm-hmm. So it hits on so many levels um, for me. So I get why um, Mamet would say that on some level, you know, again, is it, Whatever is, you know, whatever is considered the best movie of all time, no. But I, it would be in my top 20 for sure. So I get that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Chris, what do you think? So I liked it a lot. I, I don't know if it's in my top films ever because I was just realizing I didn't mention that I saw Top Gun Maverick on the weekend, which I m- might see it more than once because Ooh. it's definitely up there. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm I fell here. in love with that movie. So now it's like, okay, well, I've, I've got to put that possibly up in my top 10 or top 20. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love Galaxy Quest. My only two things that I wish, one, I sometimes wish there was a version of that movie with the TNG crew, which I know is what like Prince Spiner <laughs> says in the, mm-hmm. in the movie or mm-hmm. in the documentary. The other thing is like, it's so good that it's like, man, why can't this be real? Why can't this have really happened? Because the moment where they... Uh, see the ship for the first time in real life it's just like i want to be there i want that feeling so and i'm a little bit jealous there's the so movie. many no, really great not. moments in this yeah film too. just so many yeah so oh, i yeah, can't for sure. I, I can't see i understand the point of of saying you know that'd be kind of cool or interesting with the tng crew mm-hmm. except for picard patrick stewart i don't see because right. that that is clearly you know tim allen's character is oh, clearly yeah, a it's... kirk character mm-hmm. and oh, for i think sure. with the the experience that william shatner had in conventions afterwards it, that's closer because you know patrick stewart the the kind of actor he is and ha- you know it was and is mm-hmm. it's just not the same so i don't think i think it works with the rest of the tng cast but then when you, you need with william picard. shatner well, the thing yeah. is, like, that's where it gets. I know this leads into the question of who's each character because, like, uh, Doctor Lazarus, he's very much a spot character, but a little bit of Picard with the "I'm oh. a trained actor." I agree uh, with you absolutely. Well, but yes, Nimoy Chris. too. Nimoy right. took, took a lot oh. of pride in we are actors. We are serious right. actors. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, so I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't. Amazing. I you know. I don't think it would work as like a 
like what I mean is like I wish there was a version of Galaxy Quest that was with TNG or or with start like with TOS, but doesn't replace Galaxy Quest because they did such a great job of of finding the balance between like what would a cheesy Star Trek like show look like that's mm-hmm. fake. And I love that idea that they made up a fake show, but how do you make it cool enough that it can hold its own movie and be like, oh, this is something really cool to watch. And so that was a really well done um, aspect of it in mm-hmm. that sense. Yeah. But just like, it's just like every, it's every fan's dream to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where the, that's where in, in to me, and I'll, I'll say this without question, this is one of my top five films. And that mm-hmm. also includes Independence Day and right, Willy yeah. Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and oh, Field of Dreams. Steve. These are movies that I could watch every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the funny thing was last Wednesday I was watching it while I was giving platelets and I fell asleep during the process. So I watched it again yesterday all the way through after having watched the documentary. And the movie makes me smile mm. through the entire thing. And I like the fact that in the documentary, the, the scriptwriter said that he wrote this originally as a drama. It's not a comedy. And if you think about it, it's really not a comedy. But the moment there are moments in it that are funny, mm-hmm. that make you laugh, maybe because of the antics of the characters or what they put themselves into, or the way that the aliens, the Thermians act, uh, you know, where I just, I loved in the documentary where he said, oh yes, the reason why they walk like that is because they were imitating the marionettes from the <laughs> Jerry Anderson puppet sci-fi movie shows like Thunderball, XL5, and so on. <laughs> and and, and they're just the fact that the, the, the actors all really meshed well together. They wrote little bits that were funny for each one. And, you know, I just... The, the movie makes me smile. It really mm-hmm. does. Absolutely. I, I, I love that each, char- each character uh, of the actors in this film get plenty of moments to shine and just mm-hmm. make you bust up hysterically or even make you hold back a tear if your name is Brian Donahue and you're an emotional guy. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, like oh, when, yeah. when the one character is dying at the end of the film and yes, uh, yeah. you know, that, that um, was, that, that was, uh, Quinnell or doctor. Yes, yeah. Dr. Lazarus says standing over him and he says hammer, you know, yes. And he says, I've always, you know, he said, he says, I've always looked at you as a father figure. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, like, come on in such a <laughs> silly film, you know? To be able to have a moment like that, or when Tim Allen's character, uh, Jason Nesmith, is struggling when he has to tell these guys the truth about who they really are. Mm-hmm. Like, they point that out in the documentary, too, where Steven Spielberg pops in and said, that was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, t- tells Tim Allen, hey, that was really good, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think this film... One of the charming things about it is it's so stinking surprising. You don't mm-hmm. expect to laugh so much. You don't expect uh, for, we talked about this in another podcast, for your willing suspension of disbelief to be so high mm-hmm. in it and to accept for entertainment's sake what you're <laughs> watching. And then also the moving and touching moments of it and then also, like, one of the things I love, the documentary pointed this out wonderfully, but watching the film again, 
Um, one of my favorite parts of the film is how they handle the fans and, and especially yeah. this group of young mm-hmm. kids and how they get sucked into the real life drama of galaxy quest. And mm. it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I agree. The, the last scene in it where they're on the stage and they've re they've returned and, uh, and uh, Jason just turns to the boys and gives them the salute and go because that they were the ones because they saved the day. And that's what made it right. so, you know, that, I, that, uh, go ahead. I, I loved it. I love one of my, my favorite scenes is I don't remember catching before. Maybe it's just been long enough, but when he is in uh, his bedroom and he gets the call from the real communicator and he goes, <laughs> Mr. Naismith, I just, I really thought about what you were saying. And I just want you to know that. Of course I know, you know, and then he's like, no, 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 shut up. It's real. He goes, I knew it. I knew it. I was right. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, that was probably one, like one of my favorite moments in the movie. Yeah, but it's, Absolutely. It, it, and it, you know, and that's the other thing. I mean, as fans, you know, and, and I, one of the questions I posed was, you know, has any of you been to a Star Trek or any type mm-hmm. of a sci-fi convention? And the people there, they live this stuff. I mean, I remember being at one of the first conventions I ever went, and there was a, you know, they asked, it was kind of a TNA question, you know, questions out to the audience if they had any questions they wanted to stump the panel with about TNG. And, and so the little kid goes, do you know how many phases are on the Enterprise D? And the guy goes, I don't know. He goes, oh, there are 10. Would you like me to tell you where each one of them are? <laughs> There's one on the front. Line. And, then, and the kid is describing it in That's detail, amazing. and the guys are like, holy crap, this kid knows more about it than we do. Mm-hmm. And well, that's what that whole scene represented. Those kids, when they saved the day, knew more about the the, the protector than even the actors yeah, they're knew. helping them walk through the ship. Which part, where do I turn now? You know, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, I've been to, I've been to a ahead. lot of science, especially a lot of Star Trek conventions. I haven't been to a single one. <laughs> yeah, same. There, so They're magical, aren't they, August. Adina? Aren't so they magical? I, y- yes and no. I'm, I'm a little... This is kind of weird. Careful, because, don't oh, smash my dreams, Adina. No, 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 no. 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 It, it's, okay. it's, not, it's not the convention, it's me. And it's oh. just the fact that I'm, okay. I've am i never been good with crowds of people. I've heard that line before. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's true. It's true. So when I was, you know, when I was young, when I was in high school and early college going, going to these, and I also was a lot, I was much, I was, I was shy. I was very, people who know me now don't, really understand and believe how quiet and shy I used to be, especially in groups and, and everything. So I would go to these and, and I didn't feel like the typical fit, you know, like the, the this group mm. of, of kids who helped, I didn't have a group like that. I was very much alone in my mm-hmm. love of Star Trek. I had like one friend here, one from there. I went to one convention with one person, one with other, but I went to a lot of them on my own. Or like, you know, the first one or two I went to, my dad took me because I was too mm-hmm. young to go on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really have that experience. And so I would be in the room. I would watch, you know, I would see the actors and I'd just mm-hmm. be sitting there in awe. I wasn't the person speaking up. I didn't ask questions. I actually barely got autographs because I just didn't like the concept of waiting on a line for mm-hmm. a long time. And what am I going to say? I've got nothing to say. So you know, so I didn't really have that kind of experience. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know, I go to conventions now, but right now, mm-hmm. my 
I'm on the other side of it. I'm, I want to speak at the conventions, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what I've been doing when I, you know, I, right now I do enjoy being on stage more than anything else. Although right before the pandemic, that summer before there was a really tiny little convention that happened mm-hmm. in Frederick in my local town, very, mm-hmm. very tiny. And, um, Garrett Wong and Tim Russ were there mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I had found out about it like five days before it was happening and it was happening on my birthday. So I was like, oh, hubby, this perfect. is what I want to do for my birthday. Can I just like go up there? It's, you know, it's like 15 minutes away from the house. Let me go. Mm-hmm. And there, that was like one of the best conventions I've ever been to because in the, the dealer room where they were signing autographs, there's like hardly any people there. So mm-hmm. we could actually have real conversations mm-hmm. and that was the best and tim russ and garrett wong they were like the nicest people we had great conversations and it's not just mm-hmm. me and them there were a couple other mm-hmm. people there too mm-hmm. but that was awesome that was probably mm-hmm. one of the best experiences so i have That's um a great story. and i had my picture taken with both of them and then they signed and it was one of those now that you can have it printed out right there so they can sign yeah. that right there which mm-hmm. is not something 25 30 years ago when i was in high school you could do and mm-hmm. yeah it says happy birthday adina and so, where okay, is that so we have an in now, so you have to message them. Right the well, way have show. To, like, you hey, have to show Frederick? us the picture yeah. too. Okay. Oh well, I can, yeah. I can, I can. Yeah, I'll take pictures and put them on the okay. on our Facebook. That's a great idea. But they're hanging uh, up my wall behind me, right up there, next uh-huh. to the only other couple that I have, which is um, uh, Robert uh, O'Neill mm-hmm. and Jimmy Doohan, because mm-hmm. you know oh, he's very an engineer, nice. Scotty, and mm-hmm. then Major Barrett Ronberry. And the mm-hmm. funny story about her at a convention is so the, so I grew up outside New York city and most of the conventions I went to were the ones put on by creation. And I know mm-hmm. some people like them, some people hate, hate them, but that's what was available at the time as I fixed my, my monitor while I'm uh, speaking. Okay. So, um, but now the creation conventions were not just Star Trek. They were other fandoms and, and everything, right. but I wasn't there for anything else. I was there to see the Star Trek guests. So at one point, I don't know who was on stage. It was possibly someone playing Batman or something, but the whole dealer room was cleared out of people, but Majel Barrett Ronberry sitting there at her table, you know, mm-hmm. for autographs, but no one's there because they're all mm-hmm. seeing Batman. Right. And, but I'm not interested in Batman. So I'm in this empty room, you know, the dealers are there, but I'm in this basically empty room. So she's available. I could go up to her and get her autograph. And this is a situation that I can handle. So I do it. Uh, but now my name, Adina, is unusual and i usually have to spell it for people mm-hmm. again today this is not a problem but back then when i was i think i was 17 i think and i went to this convention with my brother i'm not sure if my brother remembers this or not but i was i was quiet and probably mumbling my name so she's how do you spe- you know how do you spell that I'm, and i'm saying it several times and she never got it right so what's on the oh, what's no. on there is, it's completely botched up but she was so sweet she was so nice mm-hmm. and i just wish that i was uh, a little older and more mature and could have engaged her in a conversation because yeah. right now knowing everything i know now i would have i had the opportunity to have a conversation with her and i blew it <laughs> Oh, well, been I, cool. there, there was a uh, local sci-fi convention here in, in near where Universal Studios is. And it was one of those, like you said, little small ones, not well attended, whatever. Got to listen to Stan Lee talk about making car- uh, comic books and things like that. It was very interesting. And I go in this one, like you said, one of the vendor rooms and there sitting is John Billingsley all by himself, oh, Professor Fox. Cool. And so I walk up and I said to him, 
Tell me, John, why is it that you and everybody else dies on 24? But for some reason, Connor Trainer got to survive his character and didn't die at the end. He goes, oh, and we started talking and we talked for at least 20 minutes That's the about cool. not just any science fiction. We talked about the show. We talked about mm-hmm. writing. We talked about the craft of acting and was all when we were done talking. I mean, and it was just it kept going because nobody was there and nobody was interrupting us. And we were all done talking. I said, well, you know, John, I guess I'm supposed to buy an autograph from you. He goes, you don't have to. I said, no, it's been very nice. I think I should. He goes, okay. And I gave him $20 and he wrote down, Stephen, a pleasure pleasure chatting, John. And I've kept that because that's when I go to a convention and I meet the actors, I just want to have a conversation mm-hmm. with them. Exactly. I want to talk to them. And when we went with my daughter, Jenny, and um, Armand, who plays Quirk, okay? Mm-hmm. Armand Schimmerman, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was there. And Jenny is so a theater was- art. She's a, a theater manager and a, a major at the college. And they started talking about theater. They didn't talk about Star Trek. They didn't talk about anything. They talked about theater. And he just ate up my daughter because they were talking about something that nobody talks about what he's doing, what he's interested in. And I've always believed that when you go up and you meet these guys, you don't ask them about their lives. And yeah. Are. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not interested, necessarily interested in talking about Star Trek to any of them. I'm mm-hmm. just interested. They're just interesting people who brought our favorite characters to life. And I just want to talk to them just about, about them because they're interesting mm-hmm. people yeah. That's, so yes yes that's why i love gates mcfadden's mm-hmm. podcast yes. she yes. has most of the cast of next gen on there mm-hmm. uh plus robert picardo mm-hmm. um and they hardly talk trek at all they talk mm-hmm. about their family heritage mm-hmm. they talk about mm-hmm. what hobbies they have um mm-hmm. and it's so it was so refreshing because I was excited when I saw her podcast and saw who her guests were mm-hmm. of season one. And I hope I think there's a season two coming. Yep. And so um, it was just it was like at first I was like, oh, they're not, they're not going to talk about Trek. But then I'm like, this is better because yes. now as fans, yes. we get to learn more about their lives, where they come from, what makes them tick, what gets them excited, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and, and quite quite honestly, we probably, with all the Trek that we've watched and studied, we know Trek. Better. Yeah, we know it inside and yeah, out. Yeah. Right. yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. That's uh, that's not what I want. You know, I want to talk to you guys about Trek. I just want to think about my own thoughts about Trek. But mm-hmm. to these people, I, I want to know about the people behind what brought yes. our characters to life, who these people are, and yes, what they might be doing now or what, how they got from wherever they came from to get into whatever, how, how did they get to Star Trek? And then mm-hmm. how did that change their lives? And then what happened mm-hmm. after and, and who the, who are they? What? And yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that I, that I love about this film, Galaxy Quest, and that mm-hmm. I love about what I see, what I, what I think us fans love about the next generation in particular Okay, Mm -hmm. is that those in the film Galaxy Quest, they're kind of friends. They're hanging out, trying to make a living. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Jason Nesmith is not a part of the group for real. He thinks he is, but he finds out in that sort of really sad bathroom scene where he Mm -hmm. finds out the rest of his crewmates think he's, you know, 
got his head up his butt and all that stuff. And guess uh, what? That's what Shackner went through with right, the other actors. Right. So Shatner. we have yeah. that, but with mm-hmm. next gen, yeah. they appeared to, for the most part, genuinely love hanging out with each other, and they've continued mm-hmm. their relationships way after the show, way after they even the films have even aired. I mean, you, yeah. you always see pictures of them having Thanksgiving together or mm-hmm. having a meal together or whatever, you know, uh, whether they're hanging out all together or in, in, you know, two or three here and there. And so I love about Galaxy Quest, first of all, that they resolve that with these characters, that they, that's mm-hmm. part of the charm of the film for me. It's something I love it is that they work through all that stuff because of this crisis and it brings them all together and it's just, yeah good it's just good it, that's yeah that's exactly it so let's let's pose the question that's proposed in the film what if what do you think the reaction would be to aliens who have received our television signals <laughs> or even possibly the big sci-fi podcast <laughs> deep in space because if you think of it intelligent life may be four light years away could be 10 light years away could be 50 light years away well if we're looking back on the fact that radio transmissions are traveling at the speed of light leaving the atmosphere and going out into space in some type of signal it is possible that as much as we have got antennas pointed to the cosmos looking for a message from space it's very possible that they have received our messages. And what do you, do you think that they're going to really say, uh, what about Gilligan's Island? Oh, those poor people. <laughs> that line got My me. favorite line in the entire film, because that's exactly <laughs> what you think they would think. Those <laughs> poor people. What do you think? Do you think that this is a reality? And if it's possible, and what do you think they might think of us? I really think, I think it goes back to... Um... I, what if our conversations where we had this idea, what if aliens come and they're like, eh, we're okay, and they leave. <laughs> I just think that they would look at our TV and be like, one, they don't know anything about what's out there because that's not how we look or that's not what... I, I don't know if these aliens would know other aliens, but they'd be like, okay, they totally got that wrong. But mm-hmm. I think they would... I don't think they would be like the Thermians. I think they'd just be more like, oof, okay, we gotta, we gotta stay away from Earth. I don't think they'd be very impressed. You know, this is where it's really hard because the only intelligent species that we know of is ourselves. So it's very Mm -hmm, hard to, you know, we can only use that lens to kind of imagine an alien species, right? So if they Mm -hmm. are like us and can understand what they're seeing, then, then yes, they might be like, yikes, but you know, Mm -hmm. there's, we have no way to know if that concept that they can mm-hmm. process anything that we're putting out there makes any sense whatsoever. Um, it might, it seriously, what we might be showing might be completely gibberish, like from a language, from a, what they're seeing, right, I mean, true. you know, yeah. even amongst all the cultures on earth, we don't necessarily understand each other and all the idioms and all the things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know what they, so in theory, well, not in theory, that's a, a bad term, but possibly you know, they're getting such a quantity of data. And like, I don't know that they would possibly be able to make sense of any of it. Yeah. Like it should just be a- this mass of data with no context. Mm-hmm. I didn't even consider that. You're right. It'd be like watching a, a television station from another co- country. 
mm-hmm. sort of where you're like, you sort of understand, but you don't really understand what's going on. Yep. So it'd be like that, but you, I don't know if you, but more, or, like, but more, yeah, way more, way, way, way more. And then that add in to the, the whole ideas, you know, we, we talk about how we're broadcasting stuff and while we kind of are, you know, the signal gets weaker and weaker and weaker over time. And really, are they really getting that much or, you know, similar to the movie contact when mm-hmm. they turn around the first broadcast that, that comes out there, which, which was, remember it was Hitler. And they, they just turned it around just to kind of say, hey, we got it. We're showing it back. And again, the context had what it was, was irrelevant. It just happened to be the first broadcast that made it out mm-hmm. there. You know, so there's there's really no way to, I mean, like, there's no yeah. way to know, which is kind no, of cool for isn't. science fiction because we could speculate all the way, but then there's really no way to know. We can't right. actually mm-hmm. answer the question until something happens. Can I, can <laughs> I ask the question a different way, Steve? Please do, Brian. If there was one show... Or film that we would want an alien race to watch, whether it is fiction, reality, is there one we would the four of us would pick individually or wow? Maybe I'd that's say a TNG. different way to TNG. You, you would to... say because that's like the best qualities of humanity. Where if you watch anything else, you're going to get a lot of the the negative sides. We're not saying that TNG is perfect in the sense that every human's perfect in that show, mm-hmm. but it's like. This is our best foot forward. This is what we aspire to be. Whereas if you were to send them the news, they'd be like, okay, man, there's a lot of conflict going on in your world. A Grey's Anatomy episode, that would not be something I would want. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> Grey's again. Hey, I'm sorry. I always think of Grey's. So, so there's different. That's okay. I respect the show, by the way, fans. That's everybody. okay, brother. That's okay. <laughs> um, I, I like, so there, I think there might be different categories of what we might want it. Um, aliens to see is it fiction because there's a lot of conflict in star trek the next generation i mean there's you know there's there's conflict there but they do try to resolve they do try to genuinely resolve it they try diplomacy um you know shooting phasers is not always they're usually not captain picard's first option for sure so um but are but is there is there a show that would depict the reality on earth as we know it that we would maybe want not a fiction not a fictional show because that's the whole idea of our fictional our fictional entertainment does not depict reality <laughs> well i mean if you were to yeah. look at like a police procedural or a drama they're all I mean, over the top be, it's over real. the top but it's yeah. closer to reality than say star trek well, so it's closer to reality is what in, in time, but it's, it's... Oh, The Bachelor would be weird. It's not, no, no, it's we not don't real. want The Bachelor. No, okay. no, no. I'm totally kidding. I haven't no, watched no, a no, single no, second no. of The Bachelor. You don't want to. You don't want to. So I, I would... I've seen Bachelorette. It's quite good. If we were if we were giving out and say, hey, watch this, I would, I would pick something like one of the, you know, like the Planet Earth, BBC Earth documentaries yeah, narrated by yeah. David Mapper, mm-hmm. because, you know, you get a visual yeah. of our wonderful planet and yellowstone documentary mm-hmm. yeah a- anything like that because i mean our that's fiction an interesting choice is fiction i don't want them to learn about us through fiction not initially i mean i, I think there is some value to learning about humans through fiction mm-hmm. like once you understand a little bit about humans which is one of the mm-hmm. reasons why we do we study fiction we don't just enjoy it but you know there are people who study fiction our fiction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's that's not the way they should start to learn about us. That's I feel like that's yeah. terrible. <laughs> I think that's probably true. 
Nothing now, what is a, real. It's all fake. What about Adina? What about friends? Do you think that might? No, set off a no, goal? <laughs> no. There's so okay. I love friends, but I can uh-huh. also acknowledge uh-huh. like the characters aren't all good people all the time. Yeah. I mean, like they're you know. So no, do I want? Is that a? It's not a good. Yeah, there, well, there's nothing. Especially I crazy love friends, Ross. but it's not how people need should be like learning. Well, and that us. would be the same way. You really wouldn't want to have people. <laughs> In outer space watching Seinfeld going, oh, my God, these people right. are just so self. So, you know, and if you yeah. really the, the bottom line is, is that there really couldn't be any one singular show that depicts humanity on this planet in a positive way, because even if you were they were to watch TNG or any of those, they would realize, oh, my God, they have they have the ability to travel faster than the speed of light. They have this technology, but that's not who we are either. There are good moments in fiction. But, yeah. you know, you, you need context to figure out the good from the bad. And we're taking wonderful... on the galaxy. Sorry, Dina. We're taking on the oh. galaxy quest thing here that we're assuming the aliens would think that's who we are. Not oh, we assume that they are able. Yeah. So we're assuming that they're that. So we're making the assumption that they think our fiction is reality. Mm-hmm. I guess so, because that that's what, what Galaxy Quest did. That is the okay. even yeah. if they know, even if they know it's fiction, you know, it's a method to learn about us. Mm-hmm. Right. But so there is this one of my favorite, favorite episodes of Next Gen is that episode First Contact. Oh, that's a good episode. Right. Yeah. So they make mm-hmm. contact with Marassa Yell, who's head of the their space program. And when they're revealing to her that, yeah, we've been we've been monitoring you guys for a while. And she's like, oh, I hate to think what you guys you know are going to think of us by monitoring our popular entertainment. Mm-hmm. Right. That That's exactly that's exactly <laughs> it. That, that she that captured. <laughs> you know this whole feeling is like yeah we, we put out this stuff and it's entertainment but hopefully no one is judging us based right. on it. you know you know one of the things though i loved about this film get, mm-hmm. getting back to galaxy quest is sure um you know we have this very endearing cute alien race um that walks funny um mm-hmm. but are sweet and trusting uh, obviously technologically advanced enough to put together the ship and to base their culture off of this show, um, which is quite a feat if you think mm-hmm. about it, um, even if it's fictional. And you have this group of ragtag actors who really c- kind of get into this position where they're living above their normal station in life, where they really rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. and do some pretty amazing things. um, Once they start working well as a team, because, you know, we see them on the planet trying to get the beryllium balls Mm -hmm. and they're not really operating as a team yet. And, you know, it's not until later in the film where they really start to meld and you see this amazing transformation where they have been for so long just looking out for themselves, trying to get to the next gig, you know, Um, and they're together just because they have to be because alone nobody wants to see them, you know. Mm -hmm. So now they're operating as a team. And I found that really fascinating and endearing about this film, too. And it's something we love about Next Gen. And about our, you know, our, any favorite show we have mm-hmm. is when people work well as a team and kind of rise above. There's all sorts of storylines in throughout Trek where people have moments where they go, I just, I don't know if I can do this. I can't mm-hmm. do this task, you know, um, and 
they rise above. So I loved it. That's another thing I love about this film is the characters just yeah. go for it eventually, you know? I, I agree yeah. with you on every part of that, Brian. Absolutely. And that's why the movie just re- resonates with me personally, you know? And I mean, when I first saw it, I laughed my well all the way through it because of the humor and making fun of Star Trek and making fun of, you know, because they, I mean, they even, what is the, the first first three letters in the code name for the aircraft or for the spacecraft right. the, not the enterprise not, not the enterprise and they went out of their way to do that but still they they stole heavily from star trek they start in, in a good way in a good way appreciated way because yeah. it, it made it it made it uh, relatable that mm-hmm. you could see these characters you can see that yes you could watch a TV show. There could have been a TV show like Galaxy Quest or even the uh, the Orville, which is, you know, watching this. The Orville is more like Galaxy Quest in a sense. Right. Yeah. Than style, is, yeah. What it yeah like. you know, in that the humor, the, the, the concept, it's more in line with that. But still, again, a fantasy show. And that one is more comedy, but also has had a lot of its own drama in it as well. And that's the, that's where you really want to have with a good balanced show is that you have comedy, you have drama, and they mesh together. And maybe you don't even know when each one is happening. And it just makes it flow exceptionally well. So now this is supposed to only be really comedy as far as I can tell. But are you guys aware of this show on Amazon Prime called Con Man? No, with Alan Tudyk. Mm, um, so it, it's a similar thing. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a fictional, um, he plays a guy who had a part on a popular TV show and he's no longer on that. So he's now goes to conventions and there's a convention thing <laughs> and he's not the main guy. Uh, Nathan Fillion is also on it. Nathan is plays the main kind of like the head guy mm-hmm. and it's, you know, kind of mirroring the same experience that these, uh, these actors have. And it's, it's interesting from the fan perspective to just kind of watch that they all seem to have these shared experiences in all the different series where they get involved and this really becomes their, their life, which is, mm. I don't want to say it's sad because I appreciate this life <laughs> they mm-hmm. have as a fan, but I mean, for them, I I'm trying to, you know, I, tr- I try to get my head around what it's like to get really pigeonholed like that. And mm-hmm. just how hard that's got to be, oh. you know, sadly, the great, yeah. uh, the, the actor, George Reeves, who played Superman in the 1950s, ultimately ended up committing suicide because yeah. he couldn't get a job because everyone said, but you're, you're Superman. You're Superman. The yeah. same thing happened to Adam West when he played Batman in the 1960s. Uh, Afterwards, yes. they said, but you're Batman. You aren't anybody else. And yeah. that's what people resonate with. And luckily, these the better actors have been able to morph into other roles and not been pigeonholed into particular. Well, you know, yes, and, yes and no, because I look at so I look at someone like Patrick Stewart. And certainly, mm-hmm. you know, when I see. When I see Jean-Luc Picard and when I see uh, Charles Xavier, when I when I see Charles Xavier, I don't I don't think, oh wow, look, that's Picard. No, I think that's Charles Xavier. Mm-hmm. You know, so so yes, right, but then yeah. I look at an actor like Brent Spiner, who is flipping fantastic. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't he been other places? Because he is an amazing. So 
So some of the good actors, they don't get to. Oh, that's do more, true. That's I guess true. Is what, yeah. I'm, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, I still so many see become directors. Right. I still sure. see Jean-Luc Picard when I watch the X-Men. I don't. Films. I, I am um, completely believing that that is Charles Xavier. Right. I well, see. he is he he, and for me, it's more of a whatever. You're you're Captain Picard, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. a it's a loyalty thing. But Patrick Stewart, I mean, he plays a ca- incredible Captain Melville and Moby Dick, the TNT mm-hmm. version of that film. Uh, he's been in all kinds of stuff that is just unbelievable. I mean, he's a very diversified actor. I think also you got to put in the mix, even though. Maybe people don't put uh, this particular captain in the same mm-hmm. acting chops as Patrick Stewart, but William Shatner has in, reinvented himself twenty oh. times yeah. over yeah. the years mm-hmm. to stay on primetime television and mm-hmm. in in some sort of national spotlight. I mean, even with shows like Nine One One that was very popular for a while introduced William Shatner to a whole new generation of people. Mm-hmm. Wait, he was in 911? Um, it was it was a it was a reality based show. Yeah. That oh, where he okay. as a host as William Shatner himself would Was that called ho- Rescue 911? Rescue 911. Oh, right. okay, cuz I'm thinking like 911 yeah. is the No, no, not the not novel, the new sh- really not the newer yeah. show. But, you know, I mean stuff like that. I mean, he won mm-hmm. several Emmys with Oh, I forget the name of the lawyer Boston show. Legal. Boston, yeah, Boston Legal. Boston Legal. That was, where it's, yeah. You know, like, um, he's, wh- he's, yeah. he's been in a ton of stuff, and he's not afraid, or he hasn't been afraid through the years to have a little fun with his persona, too, and how people but see him. So It took him a while to get there. because So he was an experienced actor before taking the role mm-hmm. of Kirk. But then after Kirk, there was he had a big slump before he... Oh, sure. You know, so that it, it didn't it wasn't an overnight, you know, right transition. You know, yeah. it, it's not like it's not like Captain Kirk then lo- continued to launch his career. <laughs> he had a massive, massive slump, as did they all. You know, all of them did. Yeah, yeah. You know, Nimoy, too. And Nimoy is a fantastic mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. And he also didn't like come back from that. From being Spock, being pigeonholed as Spock for a really mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It's hard, not hard to think about, it, but it's hard to imagine because you look at them and you're like, well, how could you not want to be that? I mean. For me, it's like I would love to be famous, but I never really you don't think about, well, okay, what happens if you're famous and you do this thing? And then 30 years you try to do it like it's like I guess if you have one achievement when you're a kid and then everybody just talks about that and that nobody cares about what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you really have to stop and think, okay, what's that like and see so watch Galaxy Quest? And you can kind of get that even though we as the care or we as the characters, we as the viewers are like, yeah, I would love to be famous and I would love to go to a con and have people get up and cheer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it does a really good job of allowing you to understand, okay, what is that like? Because even, they've all struggled with it. But even Shatner took him many years before he mm-hmm. accepted going back, going to mm-hmm. conventions because he thought he was above this. And then he realized that these fans love him for who he was and he wanted mm-hmm. to thank them. And so he would. Go, and now when you see him at the conventions, he is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he seems like he's a really oh fun my guy. Yeah. He, he, he remember he uh, put out the he, had, he was on stage and he had people come up and inter- interview him. And he said, OK, all right. Question. What's the greatest Star Trek movie of all time? And it better be Star Trek five. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. 
and, and but that was the level of humor and he is so entertaining mm -hmm. and my you know my wife has been to a few conventions with me and she just relished that is a wife seeing, who loves you man oh uh, and she relished watching william shatner and leonard nimoy on stage just having fun i think i mentioned this one time before but she really really enjoyed because they were just having fun you know and that's really what it comes down to is that um they really want to give the the audience a chance to see them out of costume and into reality but still appreciating the love that people have for their characters. You know, I think another thing this film did well on this same vein, Steve, is um, it really gave, you know, it, it took it, it took this, uh, I'm being so articulate in this moment, but it, it looked, it gave us fans a chance to be involved in yes. how we feel and gave validity to that and excitement to that and paid homage to that. Mm -hmm. But it also showed from the actor's point of view what it might feel like, at least from time to time, like we've already discussed, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it brought both together beautifully that I think, I hope most of the Star Trek actors have come to really appreciate or maybe will come to appreciate, especially in the newer Trek stuff that's, mm -hmm. that's all over the place. Um, the unique bond that is shared there um from star trek fans to the actors and the directors and producers and people behind the scenes even um yeah. I, I just i think it's wonderful and the film did an incredible job of bringing that all together but i want to talk about something else can sure, I, please do do. I do i um you, you have the, the floor you in, have the floor I, I, I thank you sir sir <laughs> um i loved in the documentary how they talked about the rating of the film because uh, mm. the language, apparently they were swearing every other sentence or something in the making mm -hmm. of this film. And mm -hmm. there's several scenes where you see they are clearly not using the words you hear. Mm -hmm. You know, you can see that they have cut away real quick or they're, they're using language much more uh, crude than what you hear audibly. Mm -hmm. um, and I, to me, that just, I watched the documentary and then I watched the film about a week or two later. And so to watch for that and see that, oh, it was oh, I need priceless to, do mm -hmm. to see at least the few times I caught where they clearly had to overdub some words um, to change it. It was hysterical. So when I saw the film, I, I, didn't ca I didn't catch that. But then when I saw the documentary and they were explaining that, especially this one um, with Sigourney Weaver, mm -hmm. and I'm like, how did I not see that it is so so obvious but i'll be honest while i'm perfectly comfortable with you know with the a film dropping f-bombs all over the place mm -hmm. i <laughs> like it when and i'm glad they don't because then then it makes it such where i could watch it with my young kids and everything mm -hmm. else about this movie is such right. that i can watch it with my kids which is it's just, it's just, it's just nice. Uh, I, I like having it a little bit more accessible in that way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the, you know, the F-bombs and stuff are just not, they're just not necessary. Mm -hmm. And this yeah. kind of proves to you that it's not necessary. There's a <laughs> time and place yeah. too. And I mean, yeah, cause yeah. you know, it, it's, it's Star Trek. Well, I shouldn't, it's not Star Trek, but it's mm -hmm. meant to be Star Trek and Star Trek generally should be accessible to mm -hmm. most audiences. So if they were if they were dropping a lot of f bombs, it would feel kind of out of place. Yeah. 
But yeah. I agree. It's one of those do, things you want to be able to watch with your kids and say, hey, you know, there's something I like. Maybe you can do. Do you guys remember? I remember I was young enough when Star Trek First Contact came out that my folks were hesitant to let me see it because mm-hmm. it was the first Trek film with the PG-13 rating. Mm-hmm. I was an and adult I, when it came out. I remember. <laughs> well, I was. I mean, I'm only a few years younger than you. Right, but, but young but, enough on that cusp, right? That, right, right. Yeah. right, and how and, your parents treated that. Right, exactly, because you know, my, I mean, you know, I grew up watching, like I've stated before, old, you know, black and white films, mm-hmm. uh, and classic Hollywood films, and older TV shows that were in reruns, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, so I, it just for me, I remember begging, like begging my mom, like please, because my dad, I think, was yeah, we're gonna go see this film, son, just be patient you know Mm -hmm. but it was it was like oh my gosh and so but now you know watching that film today like yeah i get why it got the pg-13 rating but now if they re-rated that film it'd probably be pg in today's Mm -hmm. standards yeah and so keeping that in mind but i just you know for for galaxy quest now it's great we've got these little nuggets throughout the film where we can say ha, look at that's not what tommy said yes you know? <laughs> it just, just adds to the charm of the film well here's here's the thing this is one of the questions you talk about star trek and using salty language and that's one of the things about discovery with they've dropped that requirement because that is the f-bomb is dropped quite often mm-hmm. in discovery does that make say- it Quite but often. does it make it better I or I think it was only once. Yeah. There yeah. was Tilly, oh, then there no, was no. the Admiral. Tilly is, Tilly's, yeah, she was the one who would say it more often than not. And... It's not been a lot. It's been just a no. co- I feel like it's There's not. Been I think a few it was... episodes yeah. where. I think it was right. only Tilly in Discovery, yeah. and then there was the Admiral and Picard. I think those are the only two F-bombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's the S-bomb with Data and Generations. Yeah. Which also, though, but but here's the thing, again, thinking of, like, do we let our kids watch these things? And, uh I had completely forgotten, but there was the, the S word was also in back to the future. Oh yeah. Which mm-hmm. I saw in the theater mm-hmm. as a 10, when it came out, I was 10. And that was actually what we did for my, my birthday with I, me and my friends. Oh. And the one word like that, that, especially that one at the time, it wasn't a big, it wasn't, I don't remember it being a I big deal. I don't think the, it was the language, the was PG. Yeah. The language wasn't bad in back to the future, but looking at it now, I'm like, there's some really questionable choices in that oh, movie that I think uh, are a little bit inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Right. To put it's it weird. So, it's weird. But yeah. I would say, because because uh, a couple years ago, I introduced the Back to the Future films to my kids and to mm-hmm. my uh, nephews and a niece. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't watching the film directly with them, but I was around while they were mm-hmm. watching it at my in-laws house. And um, there's more language in it than I remembered. And yeah, they, so they, I was yeah. with with little kids around. I was like, "Oh, should is this the best decision I've ever made?" Yeah, I don't want my like, nephews going home. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the most concerning hurts, so. is like the scene with Biff and um, what's what's the mom's name, Lorraine, in the yeah. in the van. So I'm like, okay, that's way too far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I let my so my my older son uh when did, I think I let him start watching it when he was 10 so the same mm-hmm. age I was when yeah. I watched it and mm-hmm. again it was kind of one of those like 
I don't remember. It wasn't a problem when I watched it. I don't feel like it was a problem other than just kind mm. of seeing it from a different perspective when I'm watching it with my 10 year old, right. but it, it's more, it's also more about, <laughs> I don't want my kid going to school saying a word. They have no clue what the real meaning is for right, it. Right. Yeah. That, well, that, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, it's more of an embarrassment thing. Like, yeah. okay, I don't, you know, you don't need to do say these words every day. It's not, well, it's not like a fear, like their life is going to be ruined because yeah. they hear cuss words because they hear I mean, cuss words from other places. I mean, I got in, just television. I, I don't know if I told this story, but I got in trouble once in elementary school for quoting Spock at the end of Star Trek six, where he's like, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. reply would be uh, go to hell uh-huh. if I were human. And I quoted right. that and I got into a lot of trouble and I was like, yeah, I was quoting Spock. I was quoting Spock. Didn't work. It, it mm-hmm. still got in trouble yeah. for it. Um, saying like something like go to hell, that was actually never in my household. That was never like, I, I think that's, I heard my dad say stuff like that, that all the time. Yeah, but other right. than that, neither of my parents had a, a potty mouth, but like ever since my, my oldest was young, I don't remember when we started, but when we started talking about these words, I've generally explained as much as, you know, as an age appropriate way, what they, what they mean. Right. And I've always said that they were <laughs> impolite. You know, because he's going to mm-hmm. hear them, mm-hmm. even though yeah. I don't have a really big potty mouth every now and then mm-hmm. <laughs> I might say something. And I remember there was one day, I don't think I've told this story. I might've told this story to you guys before, but I don't think I told it on the podcast before where my friend is playing with his, uh, a friend in, in their room and I'm across the hallway in my office. I hear kind of like a little crash of toys. And then I hear someone, <laughs> oh, I think yeah. it was my son say the S word. And I'm like, like, Hey, come in. Yeah. So I, I yell, yeah, like, come on in here, you know, come on in here. And I'm like, are you one? Are you okay? He's like, yeah, just some stuff fell and it hit my foot. I'm like, and did you say, yeah, I said, I said, what did you say? And he said, I said it. I, I busted out laughing because mm-hmm. he used it appropriately. Mm-hmm. And that, that was it. And so we moved on. I didn't, I didn't lecture him. I didn't say anything. Right. I just, okay. Okay. You, you use the word appropriately. That's exactly what it's there for. <laughs> so let's move on. <laughs> well, uh, when I worked at 31 Flavors, this is too many decades ago. And 31 mother... Flavors of what? Oh, ice cream. You, know, oh, okay. oh, you don't have 31 Flavors? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Like, my God. Anyway, so I'm working there, right? And there's a mother and a father and a little girl. She's like two years old. And so they're all sitting eating ice cream. And, and the dad just reaches over and he grabs the ice cream away from her while she looks away and hides it. And she looks down at the table and she goes, oh, S, where's my ice cream? And I just start busting up and the mother looked at me and she gives me a stare. And I can say, well, kids do say the darndest things, you know, and the child just and you're going, where did you where the child learn it from? She was adorable. But she that was exactly how she felt right there. And she had to say it, you know, and so. Yeah. You can't no. protect kids from the world. No, no. So away I away from yeah. you. Like, like so. that's the hard thing as a parent is not overreact, trying not to overreact. So you make mm-hmm. too big of a deal. So you give the kid a guilt trip that's way over the top. Yeah. And yeah. to where it's just, you know, it's just ridiculous. You're not doing anything positive to help it not happen mm-hmm. again. And, uh, then, and then mostly, most of the time that's wrapped around, hey, you know, I like that word impolite is a great way to describe that to our kids, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, it's just, you can't, you can't be over the top with it. And yeah. I, I think, no. I think this film made the right call though. Mm-hmm. And what they did. Yes. Keeping. It the wasn't necessary. In it. It, yeah, yeah. Just, and, it, and it, it would have added. Yeah. They wouldn't have had the, it wouldn't have been a successful either, frankly. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would have been accessible, and it wouldn't yeah. have felt like Trek. It would have made it, it more have... crass in a way right. that just it didn't it didn't need. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so yeah. that, and 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 you're absolutely right. And I even had that down in some of the notes about it, the fact that did they make the right decision? And you're yes. absolutely right; oh, yes. they did make the right decision in doing it because it's some you know it really didn't fit how the actors would have portrayed themselves on the TV series or in real life because you don't they wouldn't talk that way. To their fans, they wouldn't do that. They may be upset. They may lose their temperature like they do mm-hmm. when Doctor Lazarus is just signing autographs. Yeah, don't say it. Don't say it. You know, don't say the line. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're they they get frustrated, but they they really wouldn't lash out in um, vulgar storm at them. And so that's how they wanted to portray it. And I think that's very well. So since we were talking about, you know, profanity and salty language, there's this net, there's this Netflix documentary hosted by Nicolas Cage. It's like six or seven okay. episodes. It's on like curse words. And each episode is on a different word. Oh my they go goodness. through like kind of like the origins and stuff. <laughs> and it's hilarious. And it's hosted by Nicolas Cage, which is just makes it so surreal. That. It's absolutely worth watching. Absolutely. Okay. I agree. All right. Well, um, I'll have we've to had put that in really... the podcast notes. While I write clean fiction and I generally don't have a potty mouth, I, I do find a lot of that stuff interesting and hilarious. <laughs> now, conversely, and that's true, I have a sister. She's, I love her. She's the greatest thing on But I mean, she talks like a sailor that just stubbed his toe. <laughs> Every other word. And I just have to, you know, I, I just like, my God, Judy. <laughs> I do love. I can't believe it, but you know, (laughs) that's who she is, and that's the way she talks, and I can't stop her. And so, I just I'll I'll pick on her about it every so often. Like you know how you use that in the that contents just doesn't work. (laughs) You know you can't do that. You can't perform that type of sexual. That's why I love. That's the thing. That's why I love. (laughs) I'm I'm watching Brian's Really wide. That's why I love on Big Bang Theory where he says coitus. Yes, coitus. Yeah, and I think that's great, Sheldon. And that's it is the word. It's the same word. Mm -hmm. It's just the legal word, you know. So my youngest control of this podcast. I have to say, my youngest. He's three and a half, and he is in that stamp. You know, like you know, uh, naming body parts and Mm -hmm. calling out Mm -hmm. that people, and and we've told him the real names for body parts. And so he likes to point out the body parts that he shares with my husband and other son and that I don't have. Mm -hmm. It's really, and it will come out of nowhere, possibly in public in front of other people, which is really Mm -hmm. funny. But the thing I was going to say about, about, you know, Steve, your sister and people who do uh, typically swear like a sailor. The thing is, is because I don't, when Mm -hmm. I do, you know, I mean business. Yeah. So the people who swear like that normally, well, how do you know they mean business if they're always swearing? You're See, absolutely right. And that you know ha- when I mean business, do they get clean know, you're, all you're of a sudden? Do they, are they, <laughs> Hey, mister, you know, <laughs> yeah. no, but you're, 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 you're absolutely right. Because when I worked at my old company, ABI, and I, I never swore, I just didn't think I used to pick on the guys who did in the mm-hmm. shop when they did. But if I yelled out something like that, they knew mm-hmm. I was mad. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really, yep. mad, you know, <laughs> so yes, save it when you really need yes. it. Hey, real quick, Steve, you're, it looks yes. like you're about to do our sign off here. Which I think is perfect I, timing. Yeah, I think I we've just, had a go ahead. Brian. I just want to say one thing. I've been holding this in all day. Okay, please do. My father-in-law 
um, just recently was bragging about his new hearing aids that he got. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's, it's state of the art. It cost me a fortune. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, awesome. What type is it? And he said, it's two thirty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> now you can do your closing statement. Thank you. But I'm punching. <laughs> I'm going to do my data. Uh, all right. So episode. I'm going to go back and give a little dignity to the show. Thank well, you. that brings us to the conclusion of another amazing podcast <laughs> by the big sci-fi podcast crew. I hope that our discussion of Galaxy Quest has not swayed your opinion of the movie, and we'd love to get your response to our discussion. But before we go, we before we transport ourselves away, ending thoughts of the crew. Closing. Thought. Oh, so I have one thought that I loved and I'm a bit jealous of because I like Picard season two. I like strange new worlds, but I do love this idea that in galaxy quest, they get a reboot. That's just, it's from what I could tell from the intro. It's like, Oh no, this is just the same kind of show, but modern. And I'm like, at this point, I would love just a modern TNG. So I'm, I'm very jealous of that, of that world. Mm-hmm. My final thought. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go right ahead. My thought is we didn't say one gosh darn bloody word about the greatest character of this film, and that is Guy. And it's a shame. Yes, he was cool. That we didn't talk about him for one single second. That's Guy is that one actor that never gets recognized, but he's and you know if you watch the uh, Blu-ray of the original TOS, there was an uh, actor, his name was Billy, his last name I can't remember. Hmm. And he, throughout all the DVDs, would do a little clip where he would show, there I am, there I am, I'm playing this (laughs) character, I'm playing that character. I don't have any speaking roles, but there I am again. And he was one of those indispensable actors that was constantly reused, but never got recognition. Hmm. Interesting. Adina? Yeah, Sam Rockwell is amazing. I love him. I think I was first introduced to him in the first Charlie's Angels movie, which uh-huh. is great. I love that. Yeah, with the Drew Barrymore and, and Cameron Diaz oh, and all that. Yeah, it oh, I loved time. it. Well, so the all, the thought that's been going through my head this whole time since we started is that concept of you know top four movies, and is this one of them? And we keep naming movies and we mention things. I think over the weekend I have to make my personal list of favorite movies, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm just going to write down all the movies that I can just think of without, without looking things up, just things that I have in my memory mm-hmm. and try to rank them for myself and see where things land. Because is this, I, hmm. well, is this like an episode? I don't know if we can tie. No, it no, 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 I, not, no, oh, no. This is, I think I want to do not, not sci-fi movies, but that whole concept of our, yeah. what are my favorite movies mm-hmm. in the sense of what movies can I watch over and over and over again? And there's actually a lot of movies on that list that are not sci-fi. Well, like, a lot of people don't know. One of my favorite movies is I love Legally Blonde. Oh, and I can wonderful. watch that. Yeah, I can watch that a thousand. I have watched it a thousand. Let times me introduce you to my wife. Her name is Devin. <laughs> so can I say, can I make the argument that mm-hmm. if we do the right disclaimer, I'm sure there will be sci-fi movies on our list and we well, can yes. say this won't oh, be yeah. contained and sure. we could do a very special episode of the big sci-fi podcast at, where at we the, rank our. I say, I say for our next episode we open instead of talking about what's going on in our lives and all that stuff the, our fans want to know what our top four movies are of all time maybe that's, God, that's how we a lot of pressure 
Oh, oh no. it's a work okay. away. I, I already I already gave it. You I've, got, I've my, already... You got my list already, but I can reiterate about them as well and talk about why because um yeah. So let's do we that. We could do let's an make, episode on too, the next. We yeah, could. we when we open that up, that's a good idea, Dina. Maybe for the next podcast we're going to do. Let's open up with a simple question: What's your top four or five movies, and so why? Much pressure. Yeah, that is uh, a lot. That's <laughs> There's I so many. Well, because there's remember, there's the sentimental favorites, and then there's like the candy favorites, and then there's oh, it's my just gosh. your it's your top four favorites, and it doesn't matter why they're your. It's not greatest films of all time by film critics. It's your personal favorite four films. Mm-hmm. I I will tell you this: my my best friend Ross, his son is autistic, but his one unbelievable skill is to know movies actors directors when they Mm. came out whatever and he has gone back on a year-by-year basis what his favorite movies are of a particular year and when they got released wow and it's extensive and and he can qualify every one of them so you know something uh i think we could come up with a quick little list that'd be fine and fun for next week i I will i'm gonna work on my list okay all right well Again, as always, we love to hear your thoughts and opinions of this or any of our other podcasts. You can always contact us via Facebook page or send us an email at bigsci-fi-podcast at gmail.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our new YouTube channel or you will be thoroughly punished and no pudding for dessert. (laughs) We do these podcasts because we truly love sci-fi and we know you do as well. In closing, let me quote the newsman from the film, The Thing from Another World. Tell this to everyone. Wherever you are, watch the skies everywhere. Keep looking. Keep watching the skies. And may you all live long and prosper.